This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're back on the road. Hey! We're actually we're out of the we're out of the virtual bar. Hey! We're actually got pints of beer in front of us. Hey! We're in the pub. Hey! You're not happy about that? No, I, I'm, I'm, I just want to go home. Want to go home again? You, you, you just got here. Yeah, I know, but it's people here, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> look, have you got Nacho's just turned up? Hey! Oh, gee, this is—I've forgotten what it felt like. You know, we've got waiters slamming things down. We've got you know people standing behind the bar, smiling, looking at us, thinking they're absolutely mad. But we're out drinking in the middle of London. We're in central London. We're in the Lamb and Flag pub, right in the middle of Covent Garden. You ever been here? It is absolutely wicked. Upstairs, you come here, a little bit of a chill-out zone around the corner. Downstairs, loads of people standing outside, and it's good. If you're in town, just come and have a little drink here. They've got all sorts of stuff. You know, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been stuck in the virtual joint. God, we've got four or five weeks, haven't we? And it's been all right because we've had all sorts of weird and wonderful alcoholic beverages we've been drinking there's wines and porters and craft beers and some of us had some sherry and apparently there's some Kahlua going down as well it's been, it's been all sorts of ridiculous stuff but it's different now I mean we're here I'm looking I've got my bind of pride I know you've got some sort of I don't know what that is over there what's going on there it's called Halambra or something Halua, oh, sort, of, sort, of, sort of Hawaiian drink, isn't um, it? Can I make, it's, it's, can it's I make a foreign beer? Can I make a little request? Um, out of all the um, dozens of listeners to this podcast, <laughs> well, there actually is more than that. We know more than that. Um, anyone that does homebrew, um, we're interested in your homebrew, um, and we want to buy some. So when we're in the virtual boozer, we can drink your homebrew for for the next for the next one so if anyone wants to send in a sample or name it after a brentford player then um let, let's we can market it and we could also do some soup yeah well we won't go into that anyway because that's what nick's does in his spare time but anyway i'm billy grant here and i'm very happy to be out i mean got on the tube here today came down into town very happy just walking around Went inside the bar, ordered myself a couple of pints. We're, we're a couple of pints in now, and we're feeling very happy as well. So I'm Billy Grant. I've got my mates in town, and uh, I've got the Dave Lane, who you just heard from a bit earlier. Dave, how are you doing? I'm just wondering, you know, we're here today drinking, you know, we've got all our things here, but in the last month in the virtual joint, what was the most sort of left-field, kind of strange, interesting drink that you had? Um, a whole bottle of really cheap rosé last 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 Wednesday, that was um, interesting because I had a, such a stinking ha- hangover the next morning. <laughs> so, um, but I, it was brilliant. It's brilliant being in London tonight. I have to say, London is a special place. It's the best city in the world, I think. 
Um, it looks amazing tonight. The sun's out. Um, there's birds. Your, your son's out? Where, where, where is he? No, he's at, he's at home. He's at home now. No, he's not out tonight. The sun, the, the, the sun is out. Not my son is out. Um, London looks amazing. It looks absolutely stunning tonight. So I'm, I'm just pleased to be here. Excellent. And we're pleased for you to be here as well. We've got the Liberal. Oh, my God. Hold a second. Is the li- I'm, I'm going to touch him. The Liberal is here in person. The Liberal. I mean, the Liberal hasn't done a, a, a proper podcast for at least two or three months. Um, he's taken a lot of time um, learning to drive the Combine Harvester. Um, I think he still drives on the left-hand side of the road, even though I'm not quite sure about that. And uh, he, he, he goes into bars and, and just sort of sits there and everyone goes, oh, Liberal, when he walks in. Um, apparently, is that the case? It is, and I've got my pint of cider, you know, and I'm sitting here and I've driven my tractor up today. It's been quite a good day for, I should be down on the farm, really, because I could be, you know, getting in the old, uh, laying down the old uh, roots for the uh, old summer season. And isn't that what you do? Oh, some farming rubbish. I don't know. Dave's right, London is pretty good in the sunshine. Mind you, I'm missing Devon, actually. Devon would probably have been glorious today as well. When I came up on Monday, it was fantastic. I'm just interested as well, and I think a lot of people out there, well, probably no one's actually interested, probably just me, the Liberal. I mean, just, I mean, like, you know, you've lived in London for all your life, so all of a sudden you've moved out to the, the to the sticks. You know, I mean, what do you, how do you spend your time? What do you, what do you do? I mean, what happens out there? Can you just explain to us, sort of, you know, how do you entertain yourself? Uh, I spend most of my time on trains coming back to watch Brentford, actually. So that, that, that's a, one way of entertaining myself. The other time I sort of do a bit of, um, you know, sheep rearing. Yeah. Uh, Crochet? No, not crochet so much. Knitting. I mean, I'm getting into knitting, but also making soup. So you're big into sheep rears? I'm bi- big into soup. Making soup. Lots of soup. Indeed. So, and, and I'm just wondering as well, because obviously you've been, in, you've, you've been very happy that the virtual joint has been open the past couple of weeks. So... Um, what has been the most unusual drink that you've had in the virtual joint? Well, the one thing I was really glad, because as regular listeners to this podcast will know, the only reason I go to Sheffield uh, is so that I can enjoy the blueberry bit beer that you get up in Sheffield. I haven't found it anywhere else until about two weeks ago, down in Devon, down in Dartington, I found a shop that sells blueberry beer made in Devon and I was like a pig in SHIT it was fantastic I bought 10 bottles last week I must have consumed at least three while drinking it I'll have to yeah I know yeah living a radical life you know that's right and I'm down I'm I'm, I'm determined you know next week when we haven't got a game international game I'm going to buy up their entire stock this blueberry beer Devon blueberry beer from Dartington Liberal's very happy there as well. And we've got another guest on who, he's been on, he came on a couple of weeks ago and uh, he enjoyed himself so much, he, he invited himself back on as well. The Crumble Chris. Chris, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Bill. And, uh, I mean, what have you been doing the last couple of months since we, we haven't seen you? Well, I've been around, doing this, doing a bit, bit of this, bit of that, you know, enjoying the, uh, the virtual boozer and all its, all its delights and all that it offers. Um, in, in the spirit of what we've been drinking, I've been enjoying a, If you ever find yourself in down in rural Hampshire, you can pick up a nice beer called Pigswill down there, which okay. is absolutely delightful. Right, okay. So I can thoroughly recommend that. Right, okay, excellent. Like I said, we, we, we might have to tuck in and see if we can get that online as well. And for myself as well, I, uh, in the virtual joint, I, you know, like sometimes you'll see some random beers with some random names. I saw this beer which had the most rubbish name ever. I thought, I've got to buy it and drink it. And it's called A Hopper Lip Snow. It was um, it was really bad actually. <laughs> a hopper lips now. A hopper lips now. It was quite really bad. But anyway, that was it. It got me for a couple of weeks anyway. So, but anyway, listen, let's go back. 
Now, I mean, we probably needed to drink all that drink because of the football games that have gone down at the weekend because um, it hasn't been great, it has to be said. Saturday wasn't great and, uh, Monday, and Tuesday was horrendous. We played Huddersfield on Saturday and unfortunately uh, we thought it might have been a bit of a test for Brentford to see exactly how far we've come. Unfortunately, the test, we didn't pass it. Uh, Brentford lost against Huddersfield. They played a very good game and they held us down and they kept us out and we couldn't score and they beat us 1-0. Then Tuesday night, there was possibly one of the most horrendous games that has been seen at Griffin Park for weeks and weeks and months and possibly even years. Brentford did not even were not even at the races at this game. Um, but we were winning 1-0 with four minutes to go and then we ended up losing it somehow 2-1, which was even a testament to how everything is panning out for us. Anyway... We're going to talk about this game in a minute, but beforehand we're going to go back to the pubs to listen to what the fans had to say after the Huddersfield game and the Wolves game. Uh, Huddersfield were as good today as they were when we last saw them back in August, uh, and we just didn't seem to be able to get anything going, and the two substitutions didn't make much of a change either. It certainly is very different from the last 10 seasons probably, he's, he's got us going forward, playing with Benash style, it's not just good results, it's good performances and good to watch. They're certainly, we've got very creative, but the end product doesn't seem to be quite there as often as it should be. The games we dominate we can end up drawing with just one bad bit of luck. I'm dreaming. I'm still dreaming. I'd love... The, the, the idea is to beat Leeds at Wembley in the playoff final. And here's my mate. Here's my mate, a Brentford fan. Yeah, the idea at the end of the season is to beat Leeds at Wembley. Big and strong. They're very functional. Uh, I, I was quite impressed with them, actually. Number 17, I was quite impressed with. The guys... And Yeah, I, I was very impressed with him. Um, yeah, it was a bit flat today. I think there was a bit a few tired legs out there, I reckon, today. You've got to give credit to Huddersfield today. They played very, very well, and they deserve to win today. And As others have alluded to, I think they are the measuring stick. They are the measuring stick of how, if you want to be successful in this division, I think you need a game plan like they had for particularly away games today. Um, and I think they shut us down, just didn't stop. They stopped us playing effectively. I thought defensively... They were not very good today. That goal was too soft, in my opinion. Um, I personally am not a fan of the zone defence, but I don't think it was executed very well today at all. Also, I just feel that midfield, Brentford never really competed for the ball. I felt they allowed um, Huddersfield too much time on the ball and didn't put enough pressure on them. I think second half, they were better. Second half, they had a bit more invention but they still never really put the balls in the danger area when they needed to, and they never put the keeper under enough pressure. We lost to the better team. Mr. C, I think where we are right now, Huddersfield are a good side, they're going to do well. They're there for a reason. Nice, tidy play, good football, quick. Caught us over the top on the free kick. We were sleeping, snoozing, crossed it in a goal. That's the difference between a third-place side and a 14th-place side. I was a bit disappointed today, if I'm honest with you. I thought Brentford were a bit tired, which is perfectly understandable. Um, I hope that Brentford would really show Huddersfield um, that we were kind of like the dark horses. We, 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 there was, it was more about, you know, they were, they, they'd been overhyped, but in the end, they hadn't been overhyped. They were a very good team. Um, they marked Yotter out of the game. They, they, they did a proper job on us, and I don't mean a proper job on us. And they come and park the bus, and they were negative. They, they marked, they, they set themselves up perfectly, and they. Played some really good football themselves. They could have had two or three or four. 
um, their, their chances. They, they can smell promotion. Um, I think, I think they'll, as we say on the Eden Road, I think they will cry on the telly. I don't think they've quite got what it takes to, to go up. They'll be in the playoffs. And the final whistle has gone. Wolverhampton Wanderers came down. Awful game, Billy. Awful game. Just want to go home now. Um, I've got a short memory, but I can't remember us playing as badly that from start to finish. No intensity, no pace, no tactics. Gave the ball away from start to finish and got what we deserved in the end. Absolutely nothing. I don't really understand how you can play so well one week and not the next. You know, we weren't great on Saturday against Huddersfield, but at least we created a few things and we looked like we were up for it against a better team than us. But here's a team who just not very good. We came at us from the start and we struggled to contain them and yeah we were 1-0 up when we didn't deserve to be and 2-1 was probably the least that they deserved. They were very good at closing us down and we, we just didn't seem to have an answer. We, our passing was poor throughout, uh, ball retention was poor, uh, everything, everything except the goal. Our goal was really really masterful and it was so long ago that I can't remember who scored it but uh, that was a really good goal and that was, um, that was it. I think you know we, we were quite poor, no intensity, passing poor ball retention poor everything that was a pathetic performance from Brentford tonight uh, it was the worst one I've seen this season and I've seen pretty much all of them um, uh, there was absolutely no spark about the team Yotta was off the pace Canos um, jumped around and dived around trying to look for fouls um, the substitutions that we brought on didn't really have didn't really spark anything into life only positive was KK got in 80 minutes was it I thought he looked okay but that, you know we were never going to score in a, we, well we scored the one we were never going to uh, really get away Wolves would have been disappointed if they'd walked off with nothing from that game Wolves had three times the number of shots that we did they hit the post they hit the bar they had one cleared off the line before they scored I mean they we got them out of trouble and Wolves will probably stay in this division now um, because of the performance that Brentford put on tonight which was truly pathetic and they better do better on Saturday we thought Bradford was going to beat us until we had that uh, first goal they was attacking us and we was attacking them you know what I mean but then right once, once we got that equaliser they sat back and then left one of our players free at the back Alga Costa it's in the back of the net when he gets that ball, mate, it's going in the back of the net. I don't know what else I can say to you, mate. We were second to everything, and we gave away the ball far too casually. We were far too narrow and too deep. Uh, right from the word go, Wolves were playing wide and looked good and looked useful. You know, that on another day, they might have got a cricket score. We have played good football, great majority of the season, but without an end result. And today, we were fearing exactly the same. We must have had about 70% of the possession... Obviously, I think Brentford probably have one shot on target, which they scored from. Well-taken goal, brilliant goal. And then we thought, again, is going to be the normal, sort of, uh, just our normal performance. But we, we, we seem to play better against the better teams. I'm still, still very, very worried. We've got some tough games coming up. As long as we can actually try and, uh, it sounds rather stupid, but as long as we can try and make sure that the opposition don't score against us and we you know get the odd goal nick the odd goal that'll be that's exactly what we are hoping for but Brentford wishing them very best of luck for the rest of the season they're a good team good at home I was I thought perhaps though today you were resting on the one nil it's a subconscious thing really if the team if you really need the points and that's your you know your the jeopardy is your your 
your future in the division, then you you know you're going to fight for every ball a little bit more, and it's subconscious. And, and Wolves did that today because they needed to get those three points more than Brentford did. The energy energy levels aren't aren't quite what we need at the moment. Um, someone's just shouted out new manager. I'm I'm not sure, but um, you know I think uh, I think a, a weekend off is what we need. So there we go in the pub after the game. The Wolves fans, the Huddersfield fans, the Brentford fans. Brentford fans are very unhappy. Over two games, the Wolves and the Huddersfield fans are very happy after that. And fair play to them. They got the three points each. And we got zero points, or nil point, as they say on Eurovision. And to be fair, we didn't deserve any points out of those two games. But I have to say, with that Huddersfield game... Any other season, we might have nicked a point, to be quite honest with you. You just never know. We might have nicked a point out of that one. The Wolves game, absolutely no chance of getting a point out of that one because you've actually got to sort of kind of play a bit of football. But saying that, we were winning 1-0 with four minutes to go. And maybe if we had actually tried a different style of football or, 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 or locked the game down, then we would have won. Undeserved win it would have been. But maybe people would have turned around and said what they'll say to teams like Newcastle or Brighton. Oh, you can tell her when a team is going up when they win the game that they don't deserve to win. Anyway, weren't great games, but what I'm going to sort of kind of bring out, I'm just going to pass it around the table here. We'll just discuss this game sort of quite briefly, or try to discuss it very briefly. Those two games were very similar. We played a load of games, very exciting, fantastic games. We've lost a few, we've won a load, right? And I think that's absolutely fantastic that we've done that. Um, but then all of a sudden, we've played these games and very similar. Huddersfield came down. They absolutely pressed us. They didn't allow us to play. They locked down Jota, wouldn't let him do his thing and caused us problems because we didn't seem to be able to kind of have another plan. And with Wolves, yeah, they did that to us to a certain extent, but also we just seem to have forgotten how to play football. Um, Laney, is this a, um, what I'm trying to think is, is this become an issue? Because we were so excited for weeks about how Brentford are playing, but I think... By the second half of that Wolves game, I was thinking, hmm, next season we've got a few things that we need to sort out because at the end of the day, week and week, we need to be playing a particular type of football. We need to be basically, you know, being able to break these teams down. And if we're able, able to do that, we're not going to actually get the result that we want to. And I think that those games were very evident that we're still not where we necessarily need to be. We play some great games, but also we can play some terrible games. So bear with me on this one. So... My only kind of saving grace for the last two home games is the fact that we've gone from Nottingham Forest where we were sublime and we played some brilliant football and we, we had a three goal lead and we were coasting and we, we played them off the park and in the last five, ten minutes we let two goals in. So that, that letting two goals in set, set, the, set the tone for the next two matches. Um, so we, we proved that we're good enough at our best but we've still got this we've still got this kind of Achilles heel where if we're not collectively on the money then we're actually quite average so how do we get how it's it's almost like it's good that's happened in a in a kind of a scuzzy kind of way because I don't I don't want to see my team lose and I don't really want to walk away from a ground groaning thinking I wish I was in the pub rather than watching the game but the whole Wolves match I thought it was dire um, so we've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous, and how do we get back to sublime consistently? Um, we look tired, but we've got to get used to that. 
So is there not enough match fitness? Or is, are our most creative players not at the fitness level we want? Yota, Joseph Zoom, Canos, these players that give us a spark. Woods looks tired, the others may not be that many. I think it might be a combination of a lot of things. But... The summer can't come quick enough for me. Uh, I, I, we're not. We're still not a million miles away. We're still not a million miles away. But we need to get the, if we, the, the consistency that Huddersfield has shown, consistency that Brighton have shown, the consistency that Newcastle have shown. Clearly, because they've got a big, huge squad and they've got you know quality players. That we need to. We we do clearly need to get that consistency. So we need a bigger squad and 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 a few more better players. So we, again, as I say, we're not a million miles away. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged rather than discouraged. And but but there's still still precious little excuse for last night, which I thought was one of the worst performance of the year. Two things. I described the Wolves' performance last night as pathetic. Sorry, our performance against Wolves as pathetic, and it was. I mean, I you know the players didn't really seem to be trying. Um, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they gave their best endeavours. Quite interesting, those names that Dave mentioned were all ones that came in in the January transfer window. Um, and Yotta, Canos, they hadn't been playing regularly. Um, and they're quite clearly not much fit, and it shows actually what a hard division the championship is. You can't, you can't train, you can't sort of take it easy in the championship at all. You just have to keep on grinding away. Um, and if you're not at 100 percent, and if you're uh, not fully match fit, uh, if you if you haven't got a clear run of games, then then you are going to struggle in it. And that was quite plain that we are struggling in it. We are getting to the position though where we are having two players for every position. Um, there are some areas that we'll need to strengthen in the uh, off season. Right back is probably one of them. Um, there are a couple of other places where we probably need a couple of uh, a player to be able to slot into the team. But I think what's interesting is Kirschbaum. I thought put in a good performance last night. Well, he and, got, you he know, got Kirschbaumer got clapped off when he got subs, which was really encouraging. Um, and I thought that Euson, when he came on, you know, ran around. We are getting together a squad of players that will last the race in the championship because the championship is a, it's it's a, it is a lot one hard long slog. And if you are to do well in it, you need players. You you can't just rely on a squad of fifteen players. You actually need to have a squad of twenty players. Okay, and I'm going to be just controversial. I'm going to be devil's advocate here as well because, again, looking at that game, I looked at sort of Huddersfield. Interesting because Huddersfield was sort of quite strong, but they also passed the ball about and they played football. So they kind of had those attributes. And it's always gone back for a couple of years how sort of like sometimes we thought Brentford aren't necessarily sort of strong enough, you know, when we had the Andre Gray and everything like that, even though we did really well. But then when we came against teams like Middlesbrough and stuff like that, we used to struggle. So is it that our side isn't sort of kind of big enough? doesn't necessarily all have to be big or we haven't got strong players in there. Uh, the ability to, 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 to tackle and to fight. I mean, they, they do fight, but you know, I don't know whether or not there's a different kind of angle uh, they need there. So, and, but also, like I said to you, this is a devil's advocate thingy because I was thinking, listen, if we want to go up, right, we want to be basically as, be as good as Brighton or Newcastle. Now, we know that we're quite close because we've beaten, you know, we've, we've, we've beaten Brighton already and, uh, well, Newcastle, we didn't beat them, but you know, but, but we've, been, we've been close and we've done some very good things with teams up on that side, but to do it we've got to do it consistently that means we've got to do it week in and week out and that's the whole thing because at the moment now we'll beat you know 
Sheffield Wednesday, but then we lose to Rotherham almost, you know what I'm saying? So things like that. Whereas when you're up there, all of a sudden the pressure becomes on and it's different. Remember that when we were in the playoffs, the pressure is on of the season when we went up. Every week we've got to win this game, we've got to win this game. So there's a different mentality, like, you know what I'm saying? And you go out there and other teams know you've got that mentality and you've got to do that week in and week out. Now, I'm now thinking, this is just a devil's advocate here, are we in a scenario that we should be saying, actually, when you talk about strength of depth, that we should be having a team where if we've got coming off the bench, we've got a player like, say, for example, Woods coming off the bench, you know what I'm saying? Or Joseph Soon coming off the bench, you know what I'm saying? Where you're up in the level. I'm not saying that Woods is a bad player, because he's a brilliant player, he's great for us, but the fact is that if we're going to be a Newcastle, maybe it's a case where Woods, and he's a great player, but obviously he's still got a lot to learn, maybe it's a case that we're looking at two steps above that and you're, you're, you're putting someone inside there who's, who's playing the game and then Woods is coming in and they're swapping between themselves or and I'm, I'm not only picking out Woods I'm talking about any of the other players in the team it could be you know at right back it could be at centre back it could you know it could be well Yanaris you know definitely because he's got his injury as well so it's difficult for him you know we talk about Hotton he's a fantastic player but then obviously you know you start to you know, you know people say oh you don't put him on the bench but you know You've seen him, he's played three games in seven days and he's flipping absolutely knackered, you know what I'm saying? So what you do, you put your hotter on the bench and you bring somebody else who's out there as well and you know that the levels have been upped. And is it the stage where when we buy players, we're buying them so we're up in the level, so we're actually making our bench strong with the players, some of the players who are actually in the first team now? I think there's there's a lot that, that we can take from that. I think, you know, to briefly dwell on the Wolves game, I think, you know, it, normally when you see when we play badly it's big, it's you can see one or two players aren't quite at the pace they're making mistakes you can change that the fact that it was it was 1 to 11 which was made the whole evening so frustrating that just it just didn't click there was just no cohesion but I think to go back to your point about um, looking to, to level up almost I think we just haven't been consistent enough to maintain that mentality that we are a playoff team this year yeah. I think we've We've taken two steps forward and one step back. Um, we, you know, we just haven't been consistent enough to maintain the idea that we are good enough to be a playoff team. I think we are good enough to be a playoff team, as you know, the the, the eleven players that we have as, as a starting eleven. But I think if you look beyond where what other teams have coming off the bench, Newcastle, got, you know, player like Mitrovic coming off the bench, who's played, you know, God knows how many international games, and we have Shaibu and Hoffman on the bench. You know, that's the difference. That's what we're talking about. That's the difference between the two levels. And I think that having that bigger squad is, and having that competition for players, it cannot be overlooked how important that is and that raises everyone's game. For me, you know, this, this is what I find really exciting. This is what keeps me excited about being a Brentford fan is the, um, the, being the underdog still. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to bring Mitrovic off the bench. I, 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 I like. I like the fact that we're 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 finding you know turning stones to find you know untried, untested players that may or may not work. I've, you know that that is truly exciting. Where you you are you're back in you're back in. You, it's almost like you're, you're you're discovering a new band all the time. You're the first ones that are into this like new scene, and you know <clears throat> you love the first single, and you you've been into them from the start rather than buying the band 
after they've had 10 number ones and you know they're on the wane it, I, for me that, that, that's the buzz of supporting Brentford is the fact that we, we, are, we are doing things or trying to do things that very few there's other clubs that are trying to do it obviously you know, but we, we, are, we are at the coalface we're, we're trying to be innovative we're trying new things and I, and I said you know we've said it a million times on this podcast we can't get it right every time and we, we can't beat the club up for not getting it right sometimes you know for, 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 the, for the brilliant performances uh, uh, at Sheffield Wednesday and, and uh, Nineham Forest you, you're going to get you're going to get a uh, you know, a, a below par one against Wolves. You know, but we've had we've had brilliant games against Wolves over the last three or four years. They again, they owe us one too. So, you know, do, do we really want to win every week? You know, with all the pressure that you know, we, 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 we're not that kind of club. I agree with some of that, um, but what I would also like to see is on the bench, and I think this particularly applies now for the rest of the season, is let's pack our bench with the players from the B team. I mean, I was slightly disappointed last night that we didn't have, and I, I, I know not the reasons why they weren't on the bench, but, you know, why we didn't have Shabu on the bench, why Field wasn't on the bench, you know, re- players like Cole, Reese Cole, weren't, weren't, weren't there. Yeah, we brought on Josh Clark, you know. Let's, in the next... 10 games that we've got left of this season let's put the bench with the B team the good B team players let's bring them on let's encourage them and see what they are because those are the B team players that are going to be the future of Brentford because that's what's exciting you look at the team sheets the team sheet and sometimes at the beginning of next season there will be names that we don't recognise there because they'll have come through from the B team that you and Dave might have watched Bill but you know some of us who can't now get to the B team games regularly won't have seen and the excitement is seeing those players not just playing in the League Cup and the early season League Cup games, but actually seeing them in the bench, blooded in the Championship. Talking about sorry, talking about the B team as well. And Chris, you said the B team played today as well, didn't they? And they um, again, they lost again today. I know, I know it's not all about winning, but you saw the result today. You just glanced it. Yeah, they, I mean, they lost three two to to Oxford, um, which is, I mean, it's quite hard to, to gauge these things, and you know, you don't know who's playing or who's playing well. But it, um, so, but Reese Cole scored scored again for the B team. So. I completely agree with Nick. I'd love to see some of those players and Harley, get a game. Sorry, and Harley Dean as well. That's interesting, didn't he? He played for the B team yesterday, didn't he? No. no? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got it wrong. Are you, are you joking me? Because I was a bit confused. I was a bit confused about that. <laughs> sorry, they pulled Because I was a bit confused about that one, actually. I just thought, hold on a second. What's, what's going on here? Like I'm saying, I thought, you know, maybe he was going in a sort of sort of tutoring role to sort of kind of sort of teach sort of kind of Chris Mepp and all the other characters what to do. But uh, it was obviously some sort of early April Fool's joke that he pulled on me, Laney. Yeah, you dug yourself out of that one pretty well, I have, <laughs> I have to say. I have to say, Bill. Just being factually incorrect. Um, I've got to agree with Nick, which is unusual. Um, I agree the B, the B team is another part of this exciting exciting Brentford I, I, you know again we've said this pretty much every week and I, I, I can't over egg it and I'm not, I'm not going to make any apologies for this it's just the fact that we, we collectively A, A team B team we seem to really be getting some vibe going there. There's something really, vibe or vibe? You know, no, vibe. There's something really happening at Brentford. Um, you know, the, the new grounds. We'll talk about probably on another podcast. You know, you know that, that, that's going to start to happen. But I think player-wise, 
with a very small squad. You know, you look at Wolves last night. They're, they're squad, they've got players coming on in numbers on their backs in the 60s. For God's sake, you know, 60-odd professional footballers in their, in, their, in their team to call them. And you'd also have to remember that some of their players, I mean, I think one of their players cost about £11 million as well. So, I mean, they do. 15, 15 million. 15 million. But, I mean, their players cost more than our whole squad put together and more so and this is not get, listen, it's just, that's the way it goes I mean we've seen Villa they've done the same thing we've seen you know Sheffield Wednesday you know they've done the same thing this just happens in our league so but you do that but you have to kind of we do actually have to realise where we are but on the other hand we shouldn't use that as an excuse to belittle ourselves because at the end of the day is that we kind of know you know it could be but also the other thing is that we have to also remember we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves is what I think because I think that sometimes you know everyone gets really excited they want Brentford to get promoted and do really well and they just think that you know they get really upset if they lose two games or one game but at the end of the day they're actually doing quite well within the parameters of where we are and especially within this, the, the time scale that we've been in the championship there's a lot of teams that have been there for years and they've done bugger all and like we, you know, we're doing alright and you know if we push next year this the year after year after that's just what will happen Nick regular listeners to the podcast will know that actually I'm sort of slightly ambivalent about wanting to go up to the premiership because I, I, I think the championship is actually one of the most exciting leagues and the, and the, the styles of football you see and the, the places you go and the fact that you can play games on Saturdays and Tuesdays rather than on Mondays uh, and Sundays actually has something going for it but what I do worry about is that Brentford have got to keep up with the times and that's why they've got to be known as a team that does something and that I go back to my point about bringing in the B team players if they can be known as the team that brings on inciting youth of whatever nationality in, and, and, and introduces them into championship football it produces two things one it makes it interesting for us as spectators to watch and two it means that Brentford will keep being talked about and that's important in terms of marketing and taking the club forward and talking about B team I mean Joe Hardy a lot of people go Joe who? Joe Hardy 18 year old Manchester City striker did he decide to stay at Manchester City? no did he go to any of these other Premier League clubs? no Joe Hardy decided to sign for Brentford, Brentford B team. So Brentford have just signed a Manchester City striker as well. Obviously he's in the B team, but this is obviously with a view to him uh, progressing to the 18. Because everyone that we sign is like for pretty good progressing in the 18. I saw a few comments from people about this Joe Hardy as well. People who are nothing to do with us at all, and they were just like going, "Oh my God, fantastic play! He's been absolutely brilliant. Hasn't quite made it at Man City, but great, play, great place for him to go. Brentford will develop him really well, and they wished him luck." So it sounds like, I don't know too much about him, haven't done the research on him as such, but we'll do that in the next week or two. But it sounds like this Joe Hardy character is a right good little catch for us. And I think it just goes to show maybe where the club's going. Again, in trying to actually kind of move ourselves to another level by picking up players who have kind of fallen by the wayside to a certain extent with bigger clubs. And uh, we're going to put them on the wind and try and develop them. Laney? Um, I, I, I see this as an example of Brentford understanding the football landscape um, and seeing our place within it and seeing using networks like Lee Carsley, who we left on good terms. You know, it, it, we, so he's at Man City now as, as you know, coaching coaching their youth team, um, and so he's he's you know obviously played a part in recommending that um, Oliver Hardy comes back to, to Brentford and plays a, plays a part. Joe Hardy. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a brilliant position we're in. So, you know, 
they can they can clearly demonstrate that we 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 offer a roadmap into our first team, and then when you do well, when you excel, we'll we won't stand in their way, and we're probably selling back to Man City for ten million. Yeah, I, Bill, I completely disagree with your assessment of the player that he's fallen by the wayside. He's playing quite regularly for the, the one of the youth teams at, at City. So I think, like, like Lenny says, I think it's a completely testament to how far we've come as a club that a player can assess their current position at a Premier League youth team and look across and actually, you know what I want to do? I think I've got a better chance of making it by playing regular football for you know an established championship club that play football the right way. And how? And could we have said that four years ago? No, we were losing players like um, Luke Hacker. Players like that were leaving because they didn't see a future at our club. And now look where we are. There is a counter argument to that, which is that it is sad to see that what potentially good players have to leave somewhere like Manchester City to go and get first team football. Great. I mean, you know, I welcome Joe Hardy with open arms and I hope, I hope he's a good player. But actually it's a sad indictment of English football is that this guy has to leave a top ranking premiership club because who will just go out if if they need a striker, they'll just go out into the transfer market and spend 50, 60 million pounds on buying them rather than be prepared to be brave and develop one of their own. But this is, this is how. But this is it's a perfect example of how this business model of Brentford Football Club is now working, because Man City are after Champions League and and and, and Premier League wins, and under 18s I don't play much part in that, so they have to lend them out, and then you know it's just like for a player, why would you want to be lent out to come back to a club that you don't ever stand a chance of playing for? So Man City are doing us a massive favour now by, by hoovering up all these brilliant kids from all around the UK or the world, um, letting, them, letting them flourish at an under-18 level. Then we can go in there and say, you, actually, you don't stand a chance of ever playing for the club you're at. Come to us, we'll let you, we'll let you play for us, and then we'll sell, sell you on. And you'll play the Prem, we won't stand in your way, it's brilliant. But Dave, you and Bill travel and follow England, you're, you're, you're passionate England supporters. Is there not a danger that, that Joe Hardy could be the next Wayne Rooney, he could be the next Michael Owen, but because he's playing in the Championship, he won't get recognised by Gareth Southgate? Because he's, you know, we are, never, we are never going to develop a strong England team if our best forwards are shipped out into Championship clubs rather than into Premiership playing at the top. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong because obviously you know I, I very much like the fact that Man United actually bought players through and I thought fantastic where they had the you know the Beckhams and all that lot that came through their ranks I'm going to ask you so how do you solve that situation then right I'm just wondering uh, I, I don't have an answer for it because I mean and, and, and do, you ex- I, I, do you exclude the foreign players coming in the pub saying no you can't buy that I mean I'm just asking I think, I think what you have to do is you have to have a quota and you have to say that each club each top premiership each premiership club should start with five homegrown players just, again just, ask, just asking the question but then I think you can talk about having homegrown players that are not necessarily English as well and I think that doesn't solve the problem either. So it, it, there's there's no answer. There's no one answer. Um, you know, we can get into all sorts of EU-related problems about 
uh, you know, restricting people's being able to uh, have work and be in employment because of what nationality they are. So that's a problem. Which you won't need to worry about in a couple of years' well, time. Well, no. Eh? I, once Liberals had his way, we'll all be uh, well out of that. So, no, not to worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's listen. It's all my fault. It is, it's all my fault. It's, it's his fault, you know, driving tractors around the place. So, just one last question I want to ask is coming back to the Huddersfield and the Wolverhampton game. And we're talking about the B team here. But the question is, is there, and this is something that we used to hear a lot at Brentford a couple of years ago, is there a plan B? Because I saw a lot of things flying around on social media saying, oh no, we didn't have a plan B. You know, we got locked down by Huddersfield, we got locked down by Wolverhampton Wanderers, and we didn't have a plan B. Is this an issue? And is it because of the players? Is it because of the tactics? Or is it just because, to be quite honest with you, that's just what happens? Uh, no, there isn't a plan B because we haven't got a striker. Um, uh, we, we haven't, you know, putting Canos up front, I think, is um, a starting decision, not a substitute decision. Um, he, he, looked, he looked like a fish out of water when he was put up front on his own. I don't think, I think, I don't think he is a fish out of water. I think he can play that position. He, he, he has done. Um, but... Uh, we, we it shows it shows that our um, we're 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 bottom heavy, not top heavy. We 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 need to get a striker. I think um, it's not a plan B when it's doing plan A with a different uh, configurement of players, and it's just not it's not enough. We need to have a, an alternative system, and uh, we just don't have that at the moment. Warburton always said like plan B is doing plan A better. At the moment, we try and do our plan B is trying to do plan A worse, and you know, that's that's not you know we, we haven't we haven't got the we haven't got the right tools at the moment to do to do that. Uh, we, we you know I, I've got every faith that we will have by the start of the next season. Though, listen, loads to talk about there. Very interesting points as well. But we're going to move on because managers come managers go and we haven't actually talked about this very much this season we talked about it a lot last season the sack race managers come managers go let's talk about the sack race in the championship and what's going on in and around the league the sack race let me talk about the sack race that's when managers come and managers go interesting stat that came out today Uh, I haven't checked it but uh, it's probably roughly right Dean Smith is apparently the sixth longest serving manager in the championship. He's been at Brentford for what, year and a half? Uh, well, two years, is it two years? I don't know. Yeah, year and a half. So Dean Smith's been at Brentford for a year and a half. He's the sixth longest serving manager in the championship. And also he's apparently the 33rd longest serving manager in the league. Um, and interesting as well because you know, after we lost the last couple of games, you know, before that it was like everything's brilliant. Then there was the like, oh no, Dean Smith. There's a lot of people. Ah, Smith out. Ah, tactics terrible. Oh, he's out of order. We can discuss that a little bit. You know, maybe a little bit later if we want to, or maybe we will save that for another podcast. Um, but what's more to the point? Talking statistically and just looking at those facts. Dean Smith is due the sack now. He's on thin ice, I would say, because yes, yeah, statistically. The, he's his time is a, a tick 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 tick. He's, he's three three bad results away from the old GB40. So, well, I mean, I don't know if it's three bad results because it seems like we don't work like that. But just statistically, 
he's got to the stage now where, to be honest, he's got to go because in the championship you can't. No, no, I'm not saying he's got to go. I'm saying that statistically he's got to go because in the championship. We heard it here first. No, 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 no. Please don't read me this right, mate. We're 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 playing the statistics game here. And I see you come right to my way of thinking. No, 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 no. I'm the middleman here, and all I'm doing is I'm putting forth an argument of statistics, saying about how because I want to argue with the fact is that whether or not Brentford, who are the statistics team, actually don't play the statistic game here, where they're actually saying, well, you know, even though statistically Dean Smith should be leaving now, we're not playing that game now, so we'll play the statistics and bring in the players in a particular way. However, maybe we don't play the statistics in the manager because we believe in different kind of um, um, parameters here. We've, um, we've, we've commissioned uh, our own algorithm uh, uh, beside, and the besotted algorithm would say that he's um, three three games away from the old heath home. Is that your algorithm, though? Uh, it was a it was a it was a, a besotted commissioned algorithm. But but we got we got those ch- ch- children in China. They were they were doing that. They were we, we commissioned them to do that. But it's, 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 I was say, a puzzled face here. Actually, children in China. Um, I'll have to sort of kind of disassociate myself from that comment and everything like that. Liberal <laughs> into recurring three games, though. It you know it, it just rolls on and on and on. Every three games, there is a clamour for Dean Smith to move on from small. Are you from a small section of the community? And you know, I, I stand by my point. I've always been consistent. When when Dean Smith goes, because he will eventually, everybody has a shelf life. Everybody moves on, and whether it be this season, whether it be next season, whether it be ten years down the line, I can say, well, you know, I told you so. First of all, sorry, sorry, sorry. That is such a that is such a cop out. First of all, when he goes, because you know, yes, he might go in ten or fifteen years time. What I will say, and I'll come back to you, is that, and I know that you're talking about your consistency thing. But I'm going to pull you up on this, the Liberal. I'm not pull you up, but I'm just going to say to you that I'm going to flag the point that when we were playing our games and you came on the podcast and saying how Brentford are playing brilliantly and how fantastic they're playing and the style of football is all really good, right? So what I'm going to say to you is that are you going to give the manager credit for those times when we played well? Because to me, it seems that you will bring the manager down when we don't play well and say, I told you so, it's not going really well. But also these times when we're brilliant and we smash um, Sheffield Wednesday off the earth and we smash up the Brighton and everything like that, do you give the manager credit there as well? I have been entirely consistent in my view, is that Dean Smith is a good coach. But whether he has the manager, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about is there, is there a plan B? You know, last night it was quite interesting. Do you give him credit? I'm oh not to forget. Listen, forget this political liberal nonsense, mate. Do you give him credit when we have a good result? Dean Smith, the manager. I am not going to be bullied by you. I'm not Bill. bullying you. I'll ask you a question. You are bullying me. I'm, Pax- I'm Paxmaning you. You are bullying me, Bill Grant, into, into trying to make. I have been consistent in my position. Is I think Dean Smith is a nice guy. He is a good coach, but whether he is the right person Forget to take... Do you, give him the, do you give him props when we get a great result and a great performance? I remain entirely consistent in my view on Dean Smith. He remains a good coach. Whether he is the right person that will take Brentford to the next step forward, the jury is out for me and will remain out until we get a consistent run of form. Because what happens with Dean Smith is you get 
three or four games where we're brilliant and then you get another two or three as we've exampled at Huddersfield and Wolves where we're not so good so you know there is no consistent run of form with him and that's what worries me uh, uh, the irony the irony that we where in a political party you would defend a loser for four years that didn't stand a chance of ever succeeding <laughs> and who would betray betray the youth of the country over over their education fees but you but you but you but you but you but you won't you won't say a, a manager's been at a good result it's just it's like, it's, it's hypocr- hypocritical in in the extreme i i would say no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I'm going to go to It would be, it would be hypocritical of me yes. to actually change my be. mind and change my position. Everybody, even if, even if you're wrong. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows where I've stand on Dean Smith ever since he's been appointed, and I've stuck to that position. and I continue to stick to it. I will change my position yeah. when we win when, the Champions League. When we win the Champions League, thank you. <laughs> But I'd, I'd, I'd throw that throw that back at Nick and I'd ask why. At what point do we decide where the responsibility of the players ends and the responsibility of the manager starts? We all saw last last night on the pitch; it was awful. You know, one to eleven, we were we were very very poor, and the players they weren't weren't playing well. Where where does at what point does Dean take responsibility for that? I'd quite like to know where where we stand on that. I mean, to me, last night I thought when I saw them playing like that, if you put them out, put them on the pitch, say this is what you're going to do, and from from the start they ain't playing. I'm thinking it's the players. Maybe they might have been tired. Maybe they might be mentally fatigued. But to sit down and sort of say, them, oh, yeah, it's the manager. And I'm not defending him. What I'm just trying to do is let's try and get a little bit of logic going on here. There's certain times when you sort of say, that tactic wasn't right. You didn't put that play on there. Why did you play that, that, that formation? Yes, I understand that. But I thought Tuesday night, from the, from the get-go, the players just basically kind of just didn't seem up for it. And if the players didn't seem up for it, if you're standing in the, in the, in the dugout, what are you going to do? You're going to pull on the kit and go out there and play yourself. You know what I'm saying? If I'm taking my bullying head off for a moment, and I will, um, I, I would say that there was a tweet that really summed it up, and I think it was from the Lockster, actually. I think, I think he said that with Dean Smith, when we're on a winning run, I'm not sure Dean Smith knows why we're on a winning run, and when we're on a losing run, I'm not sure why, I'm not sure Dean Smith knows why we're on a losing run. And I, and I, I, think, there's, I, think, there's some, I think there's some truth in that. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not defending Dean Smith per se just because I think I should or there's any kind of you know rimming going on. I, I just think that I, th- I think that he's I think that he's he's still learning. Um, and I, th- I th- fundamentally he's, he's an all right bloke and he's he's a, he's a pretty good head coach. Next season we'll know. Next season is, is his make or break year. He 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 will either become a Brentford great next year or he will get sacked next year. Just quickly, and I'm going to come back to you again, Liberal, because I know you want to talk about this a lot. And then I'm just, again, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle here as a devil's advocate and the person who's just fielding and thinking of questions so that we can spark a conversation here. If, per se, next season is going to be our season where we go for it, so we say, for example, we buy a striker for £6 million and we buy a midfielder for £10 million. I mean, I'm being facetious here. Yeah, I'm saying, and we're going to go for it. Um, technically... The club, if the club's going to go for it, they, they need to be sure in all areas that they're going to go for it. 
this will be an interesting test because they will also because the thing is they ain't stupid. They're going to say you no. Know, the manager's got to be right. The head coach's got to be right. The players got to be right. Everything's going to be right because you're not going to go half-eyed. You're not going to go and buy sort of like spend three million air and then get this wrong or get that wrong. Everything's going to be right. So I suppose the question's going to go out there is that if next season is a season he's going to go for it, are are all what are all the cogs that are going to be in place? And is same example Dean Smith and all the team that we've got there are they the right cogs in place as well as I mean, we've already said that the players aren't right I mean coming back to this and that we said we'd probably need two or three players probably after that Huddersfield game something like that we probably need about five players that we need to do to actually strengthen our squad but that I think is a very interesting point because I can't answer that question well, well, what we know is that um, having a head coach means that um, we've got a system we've got an ethos and then the, the head coach is interchangeable and, and that's what we've got I, 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 I see if Dean Smith leaves Brentford there's it's probably a good chance that he'll be headhunted and gone um, as much uh, more than that we'll sack him um, and, and if I, I don't think we will sack him I think we, we, we would replace him and I, I think there will be another role for him within our setup. I, whether it's Kev O'Connor would step up or whether would Dean Smith would step down um, or you know whatever's going on a manager is a position that you hire and fire a head coach they're, inter- they're interchangeable they're slottable and I, I think I think Dean Smith has got a role at Brentford for, for a while yet you're now coming in uh, round to my way of thinking. I mean, you introduced this item, Billy, by talking about the changes that have taken place in other championship clubs. Which we haven't talked about yet, because I wanted to try and get onto that, but this is kind of, we've got, we've got fixated and stuck on Dean Smith, which is fine. Look at other, cha- right, in, start again. Look at other championship clubs, the way that they chop and change their manager, their managerial systems, what they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Look at look at when you, when when Mark Warburton leaves the club, not only Mark Warburton leaves, but Frank McParlin leaves, David Weir leaves. You know that is no continuity. I suggest that Brentford have actually got the best the, the best system. Is that they have got a team of people who the, there are changes made, people come, people go, but the ethos remains the same, and that actually is why we got the credit to, to, to Matthew Benham for holding his head on this. Who knows far more about it about it than I do. But if there are changes to be made, I'm pretty confident that they'll be made with the best of intentions, so that it'll take Brentford forward, not not just rip up the entire system and start again. That's why next season's going to be absolutely fascinating I think you know if I were to make sit here now where were we March the 17th or whatever it is March the 16th and say what's the prediction for next November or, or next December if we are not in the top six next it's, December um, Matthew Benham might decide to make a change it's, um, it's the 15th you don't even know what day it is <laughs> no, I mean, again for me I mean, I've, I've, the thing is I've seen enough I'll be honest with you I mean I've had really depressing days where I've seen some horrendous football I've seen enough good football there to say to me I'll say that we need to stick with it and we need to keep the continuity and also we need to give props where props need to be given I don't think the props are given when we play well and that's that's part of the problem and also the other thing is that everyone's learning here the players are learning the managers are learning the club's learning everybody's learning and we're still doing much better than these teams who have been in this league for years and years so I'm not saying that we stick out and just keep on blindly going for 13 12 13 years however I'm just sort of thinking that you know at the moment now 
we're in a situation where we actually we're not doing that bad, and we've seen some brilliant games of football, and let that continue. I'm just going to bring you in for one more because we need to move on and talk about the well, second. I was going to say we're going to link it in. To be honest with you, like so, so Dean Smith, what what a lovely bloke he is. No, no, no one can deny that. You know, I I don't want to see him out of a job because he's a he's a he's a proper decent man, um, and he's got he's got a place at Brentford. Um, he needs to learn, probably. He's, he, he probably says he's not the finished article, and you know, let's hope he can learn in the job, and let's hope let's hope we can sort of evolve with him. Um, but we don't want to be a club that goes and cherry picks these managers like McLaren. Um, you know, these players that these, sorry, these managers that have kind of failed, who are on this managerial conveyor belt. You know, there seems to be a, like. Uh, th- th- these managers get a, an unlimited amount of chances. It's got McLaren's got two chances at Derby County alone. You know, it's, how's that right? Yeah, but again, but it's interesting. I mean, we, we've I think we've proven that we actually don't do that. I mean, you know, before you know, I mean, Dykehausen, okay, they've admitted the wrong person, but I mean, it was out of the blue. You know, we were going for Pep Clote, who is obviously a Gary Monk's uh, right-hand man as well, which is a little bit left field. We always go left field, and what we're doing is that the right thing or is that the wrong thing? And a lot of people seem to, you know, think that we. We should be going a little bit more obvious but it doesn't seem to be the Brentford way coming back to McLaren though it's interesting because like Steve McLaren two shots at Derby and and, and he's gone that club has spent a hell of a lot of money and they're doing things but um and, and, and they were very close that season again when we were with us they were close to getting to the playoffs and they didn't do and then they've just kind of fallen off since to have so much money and to to not be there to be honest with you that's that's it, again You've got to look at where we are, and the fact is that would you rather be in our position, where everyone's moans about Dean Smith and the players and all this kind of stuff, or in Derby County's position? I'm going to ask you that question. I mean, I mean, Nick, I'm going to ask you, where would you rather be? No contest. I'd rather be where we are. I mean, Derby County, Leeds United, Nottingham Forest, or Norwich, all these clubs are, you know, they're all striving for something and they're never going to achieve it if they just chop and change. You know, we've got a long term vision, we've got a long term plan, and ultimately it will probably deliver. Whether it delivers next year, whether it delivers in two years' time, it'll probably deliver when we've got the new stadium in three years' time, more likely. It's the way forward. And I mean, until English football starts to plan for the long term, rather than these short term moves, we're going to be the laughing stock. And so, again, it's interesting because. So are, we, so are Brentford planning long term or short term? Brentford quite clearly are pl- planning long term. I mean, you know. You don't seem to be happy about it. You're, you are again putting words into my mouth, Bill. I think the system we have means that personnel is interchangeable but the system behind what we have is ultimately the correct one and the way forward see this is where I agree 100% with Nick Um, we are on a learning curve and we are on a trajectory that gets us to somewhere We, we might get there quicker with a different head coach but we don't know who that head that other head coach is so, and whether we replace him and we, we take a gamble and it, it works and we, we get there quicker, or whether we change it and we get another head coach and we get there slower, I, I don't know. What we've got is what we've got, and fundamentally, it isn't, it isn't broken. You know, as, again, I said it for the third time probably this podcast, he's, he's learning on the job. And, you know, if the, if the fit's right, if the personality's right, if he buys into this more holistic, bigger 
A team, B team system. If he's if he's into developing youth and these um, non-negotiables that we spoke about on the on the podcast about the B team, you know, if, if, he, if he buys into all of that, then you know, then Dean Smith is, is there for the the longer term. So, I mean, talking about you know managers, we talked about Steve McLaren as well. We've got, got Gary Rowett's coming from Birmingham City. He's coming to to Derby County. Um, Rowett's a Derby, yeah, Rowett's a Derby County instead of McLaren as well. So McLaren's gone off, spent loads of money there as well. Again, you know, but it's interesting because there's one manager who obviously we know very well who's now come back into the frame, uh, Mark Warburton. We're just talking about it because at the end of the day he's got a link to Brentford and now he's he's not in the he, he, he was out of the the British game, the English game because he's playing up in he's up in Scotland with his team. But now they've moved to Nottingham Forest, which obviously we beat them last week, which is a very very interesting match as well and interesting because um, Frank McParland was actually just made director of football at Nottingham Forest uh, I think probably a day before that so we actually saw Brentford come down and he actually saw us come down and actually smash them off the park which is quite interesting with a lot of players that um, well he had nothing to do with actually kind of bring it to the club so I think it might have been quite interesting to see the change in complexion over Brentford but um Warburton sort of kind of he's come to Forest probably a little bit earlier than was expected because everyone was expecting him to go there at the end of the season. But what Forest in they're in a lot of trouble and they're very nervous that they might be in uh, in, in relegation trouble because, uh, like I said to you, they're dropping like so. Personally, I don't think they'll go down because I think there are a lot worse teams than them out there as well. But you know, no, no, I'm just saying because at the moment now because you've got you know you've got your Wiggins, you've got your you know you, you've got your Blackburn Rovers, you've got your your, your Rotherhams out there. Um, but the, the the Nottingham Forest people that I spoke to are very very worried about. This. They think they're in a very precarious situation. So I think with, you know, with Mark Warburton going in there, it's kind of a bit of a brave move from as well going in before the end of the season as well because he's got to actually do a rescue job for them as well. And um, what do you think? I think it's 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 a brave move. I'm not sure whether I think in the in the short term it's maybe not the right appointment. In the long term, it could be. I think when he came came to Brentford, he introduced a certain style of play that initially off the bat was quite. Um, at times it was very frustrating because it, it went wrong sometimes it worked, when it worked it was brilliant but when it went wrong it was very frustrating and irritating to watch you know when we had players um, goalkeepers throwing it out defenders passing it around the back who weren't used to doing that and I think if you go to a club where confidence is shot they don't necessarily have the players that they, have, they haven't been playing that, si- that system I mean I couldn't really tell you what system they play because they've been playing what they, whatever they have been doing so badly but I think for him to go in there is is a big call for him and I think you know there's a very serious chance that they'll go down I mean I I, I quite like the, the club I've no love lost for, for Warburton or any of the players there but you know I think uh, you know a club like Nottingham Forest should be in the championship or even higher but if they go down so be it they've only got themselves to blame but I, I wonder in the short term whether the style of football that Warburton will bring to the club could actually hurt them in the short term. And I think, you know, I'll be interested to see whether how they turn out over the next nine games. See, see there's some real pressure on Warbs there now because um, uh, uh, Rangers, they were down there, they were really down on their uppers when they, they were in the, in the second division and he, he, he couldn't fail at Glasgow Rangers. So I, 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 I thought the trajectory for Warbs and I feel a bit sorry for him now is that I thought that he would leave Brentford go to Rangers do well go to a premiership team and do well and be England manager within five years like that, that's, that's what I thought would happen 
And at the, now, I just see it going. Um, Glasgow Rangers leave under a cloud, go to Nottingham Forest over a protracted, applied for the job but didn't get it, then got it eventually. Um, and now the pressure's on him to turn it around. Will he? Will he be able to do it without going back to buying Brentford players like Rosler struggled for a bit? I don't. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, if he doesn't, if he doesn't work at Nottingham Forest, he, he could be out of a job within six months, and then he's on a on a slippery slope. He's on a he's on a on a on a, on a very very slippy tree trunk, trying to re- resurrect his career. So I'm not sure Glasgow Rangers panned out as it may it, it, it could have done for him. You know, we 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 we. We let him. We don't. We didn't let him go. We, he left with our best wishes, and Glasgow Rangers didn't quite work out. It, it should have done. He should still be there. Um, he should be there for the next two or three years. It's, it's one of the biggest jobs in Europe. Um, but whatever it is, there, there's there's something within his psyche. There's something within his nature. There's a there's a self-destruct button there, and I think ultimately it it, it might cost him the chance of an England job. Especially, especially at a club like Forest, where the ownership are volatile as well. You know, he's clashed with the ownership before. We've all, we all know about that. It can happen again and be even more explosive. And I think as well, I wonder how you could see when he first was at Rangers, he couldn't, he wasn't used to the intense scrutiny that he got as well in the media. And I think. I'm not saying it would be the same at, at Forest, but I think it would be a similar level of scrutiny that he'll get. You know, very much under the radar with us, very exposed at Rangers, and I think he'll face a similar level of scrutiny at Forest, and that'll be tough for him. You can always re- <coughs> reinvent yourself. I mean, look at what Uwe Rosler's doing at Fleetwood Town. You know, I mean, Uwe had to slip down a long way. Fleetwood Town are now challenging for promotion from League One. It could well be in the next season we see Uwe return to, to, to Griffin Park. And I, for one, will be applauding him because there's somebody who struggled, got kicked around quite a lot, you know, went got, gone to Fleetwood, reinvented himself, reinvented them and have pushed them towards championship football. be interesting to see next season. Yeah, yeah, you've got to say fair play to Uwe. He, he actually started us on this on, on this kind of uh, evolution. He started playing football at the back, and uh, you know, goalkeepers rolling it out. Um, so yeah, he, we we have to give credit where credit's due. He he, he, he bailed out, and we, we he'll get grief for it. You know, when he was at Leeds, you know. We, we won't probably forget him balling the Brentford fans out when, when they equalised. Um, but Rosler is, is, a, is, a, is again, he's another, another good man, you know. We have, to, we have to say it as it is, you know what I mean? You can get really territorial, you can get really kind of like, um, you can get really like entrenched in positions, but you know, they're, they're, they're good people. He's a, he's a good bloke and, um, you know, I w- we wish him well at Fleetwood and I hope we never play him. But you should never get attached to people. Because football is a cruel game and you should never get attached to football managers and never throw yourself wholeheartedly in behind somebody because it will come back to bite you when they get sacked, as all managers do. I disagree. I I disagree that where where football is about personality still 
and I think um, I think decent people need to be treated decently. As we say on Besotted, manners, 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 always manners. I have to agree with Nick um, about getting attached to people. I saw that Human Centipede film and it was awful. So I, you know, should never ever let anyone get attached to anyone else. It's horrible. And um, get attached as well, and, and just going around on the sack race thing as well. Leeds United, obviously, then the playoffs, and they got the manager Gary Monk, who was sort of linked with at some time as well. But the question is, will Gary Monk be in a job at the end of the season, whether or not Leeds go up or not? Um, that, would Le- be, that would be that would be a real indictment, and why Leeds are such a a nasty club if if Gary Monk got Leeds United promoted and then was sacked that really they should be re- relegated automatically well, well Nigel Pearson did Nigel Pearson do that uh, well, I'm just saying. Really, you just again, listen, listen. You know, like I said on the podcast, you know, you, you you've heard it here first, as we say. Like, you know, I'd, I'd say Monk Gary. No, yeah, well, Gary Monk. I'm not sure that your, your position is safe, mate. You know, what I'm saying we're not sure about that. You know, you should just go out there and just do what you have to do. But you know, Dial keep one, one, one. Yeah, keep your eyes keep your eyes open. But anyway, listen, we are going to Burton. Gone. On Saturday, gone for a Burton. we're gone for a Burton on Saturday as well. It's not going to be under the floodlights. We might talk about Griffin Park under the floodlights if we get a chance, but more of a chance we'll talk about going to Burton on Saturday because we're playing that team called Burton. We're going there for the first time ever. Brentford are going there for the first time ever, and a load of us are going up there and we're going to have a right good laugh. So we got Burton coming up on Saturday, but before we talk about Burton, actually. As you know, we sort of do our little socials. We've got a social coming up at the end of the month, the 30th of April. Bank holiday Sunday, the day after Fulham, unless Fulham gets moved, of course. And uh, we've got a couple of players already lined up. We've got more players lined up, but we need to get them fully confirmed. But we've got Gary, remember Gary Roberts, Gasping Roberts, he's going to be there as well. Absolute character. Scored a goal against, scored a goal against Liverpool, scored a goal against Swansea when we, when we got past them, when Swansea were a first division team. That's right, Gary Roberts, absolute character. So he's going to be down at our social as well. And Gary, Graham Benstead as well from the uh, 1992 promotion team and so on and so forth as well. Graham Benstead is a right old character. He'll be there as well. Graham Benstead is absolute character, as you said. He's got, he's got some stories to tell, absolute stories to tell. We're, gonna, we're, not, we're not just those two. We're probably going to have a dozen other Brentford players from, from all, over the, all over the eras there. So... We're going to have some of them talking, some of them Q&A. Some of them drinking. Some of them just mingling. Some of them that have been to previous podcasts like Terry Evans and whatever. You know, they, they'll be there too. So it's a, just come down, have a mingle. That's it. So, I mean, again, we're still just formulating the plans for that, but hopefully we should have them for next week. We're, we're trying to get one more name as well. Again, we're, we're looking to get some good entertainers in as well. We've we locked a few down, which is all good. So hopefully by next week we'll have the details. But you can still buy tickets now. Still early bird tickets are available. Uh, we're going to put a link onto this podcast and you can buy it from there. Um, after they've gone, they've gone enough to, the, you know, we'll, we'll actually work out how much this is going to cost us and then we'll have to price it up accordingly. But for now, we're just uh, going with the flow. Anyone who wants to get in there early, get your tickets now because it's going to be a Right, good laugh, and uh, I don't know. I think we've got a license to hopefully until at least one o'clock in the morning, maybe two o'clock in the morning as well. And it's in Hammersmith. I was hoping for a license till Wednesday. Yeah, that's right. So, which is all good. So, anyway, the social, but we're going to be playing Burton Albion on Saturday. First time we've actually been to Burton, so it's going to be a laugh. So, we've got 1700 tickets, we're slowly getting there, I think. So, hopefully, we'll have as many fans as we should be. I know a lot of some people aren't going because, well, 
because Brentford aren't playing well, but surely when you get a Burton, that's, you know, that's just go there for the laugh, isn't it? And uh, we've done our research on Burton, and there's some right good places to go out there as well. Got to say, if you look up, if you Wikipedia Burton, if you Google Burton, it will say a town that makes beer, basically. Um, so why would you not want to go there? Well, if you don't drink beer, obviously. So you know, if you drink tea, you know, maybe it's not as as. as do they do soup? Well, I mean, that's the reason why you're going. We know that as well. So you know, he's there. In the, he's going to be in the soup kitchen. We'll pick him up after the game. But um, but we <laughs> but we're going there to burn. So we got there, and, and we've we've even found a nice little micro pub that is actually brilliant they're opening early for us as well they said oh you're coming up coming you bees put the old phone call in so um we're getting up there nice and early and they're actually opening up for us so we're going to be tucking right in there and there's so many places to go and it sounds like i mean there's one pub that's not been changed since the 19th century apparently so it's going to be a right good laugh so there's been there's been some good deals going on there as well the virgin train deals just finished there as well where they had some cheap deals and i mean i think we got our train tickets cost about sort of 15 quid return to burton or something stupid so it's going to be really good going up there cheering on the bees and knowing what Brentford to be like after the two horrendous performances that we've had the last couple of games they'll probably win about 6-0 on Saturday but um, we're getting around to you characters I'm just wondering Burton when they came down to us they were actually I thought they'd be terrible but they were actually alright they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net so we got to look out for them because they do like to harass and harangue and harry and I think they'll give us a bit of problems what do you think Nick? I, I thought Burton were actually quite good when they came to us, as you say, Bill. Um, I like the style of football they play. Could be an interesting game. They're, they're, they're not scoring many goals at the, at the minute. The, the, the problem I have with this game on Saturday is that they probably need a win. They probably need another couple of wins to keep them in the championship. They, they were pretty much odds-on favourites, I think, to get relegated at the beginning of the season. And they're, but they're, 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 just above the play, they're just above the relegation zone at the moment and obviously fighting for their lives. It's a case of who turns up from the Brentford team. You know, are we prepared to actually, you know, see it, see put in a performance and and show how we can really play, or will we still be tired and will we still be thinking, well, you know, can we really be bothered about this game? Fascinating to see. I'm looking forward to Burton, as you say. I've never been there. Uh, nice, but it looks to be a good place. So, what you're really asking is how I got prediction, score prediction. And for me, I think it's going to be 2-1 to the Bees. Oh, you stole my prediction yet again. But we didn't win last week anyway, so it doesn't really matter. The Laney. Um, Nigel Clough. He's, a, he's an half-decent manager. And he's no mug, as they say. So uh, he'll be ready for us, won't he? He will be ready for us. Um, and Brentford go there. And we should be able to exert our experience we you know we, we said earlier in the podcast we're an experienced championship team they're not I'm really enjoying their season I think you know they, they didn't do as good as we did in our first season but they're, they're more than holding their own I don't I, I don't think they're personally I don't personally think they'll go down um, and I think that's a really good example to set where you, you know you, you can come up from League One as an underdog and you can hold your own by playing playing a really good um, expansive style of football uh, I think Cluffy is a, an experienced manager you know, quite a lot of time at Derby um, he knows his stuff he's, he's no mug that's, that's not a, it's not an idiot setup down there I, we're going to go there and struggle I, I think we'll win I think, I think we should well we should win if we play anything like we did against Wolves we will lose um, I, hope, I hope to see a reaction so I'm going 2-1 as well 
Um, that's, I think that's fair. I think there's a couple of things to, to keep in mind about this game. Their three games after the Brentford game are Newcastle, Aston Villa and Huddersfield. And I think so they'll be looking at this Brentford game thinking they will need a result in this game if they're going to stay up. So I think they'll, be, they'll throw everything at Brentford. Um, Even the kitchen sink? Especially the kitchen sink, at least the kitchen sink. And there's a couple of players that we all know all about in their squad as well. Um, players like Mo Fadstein, who's you know been around the block a load of times. Franchise FC, really. Indeed, and the rest. Um, you've got Ben Turner, Chris O'Grady. They've got players in there that know what it takes to win football games when the chips are down. And I think... Even John Massinho, you remember him? Even John Massinho. So I, I'm being slightly more pessimistic about the whole thing. I think, I think we'll it'll be a one-one draw. That's not bad. That's not be funny, but on way draw, you know, that's all. That's all good. You know, what I'm saying we can't be going out winning, winning, winning. So I mean, that's uh, that's, that's not too bad. It, no, I think I think given the last two results, I think a draw would be very positive. Um, like you said, a draw away from home, a side that we don't know all that much about. But I think I think they we've seen in the last two games we come up against sides who have more to play for than us, and they they win out. And I think this will also be an example of that. And I think we'll I'm not sure that we'll get all three points. Brentford players owe it to the fans because they didn't really turn up against Huddersfield and Wolverhampton. Burton they've got to show that they're still interested in this season. For me. Burton, listen, and this is not a sort of an arrogant thing, but I just think that we have got great players on our side, and we had a stinker. Sometimes when you have a stinker, you have a stinker, and we had a proper stinker. It was like so stinking, like you know, what I'm saying the, the the noses were being held, and it was just it's all over. Stinky's gone now, and I think that everyone's got no. They've got a nice good rest, or three or four days rest, and they know what they need to do. I think we're going to go up to Burton, and we're going to smash them three one at Burton. They're not going to know. They're going to come back hotter than everyone like that, saying we can't do that again. 3-1 to the mighty, mighty bees up at Burton. Anyway, guys, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be out here in town again. Like I said to you, this is the Lemon Flag Pub in Covent Garden. You should come in there. It's just down a little sort of back alleyway, just off the back of Maiden Lane, just the back of, uh, you know, just the back of, uh, what's it, St. Martin's Lane. Yeah, just Covent Garden. You should come down there. It's wicked, wicked little pub. Two little floors there. Have a little bit of tucker. Stand outside. Just hang out with people. Uh, a little bit of theatre crowd thing going on as well. But Burton on Saturday should be a right good laugh. If you can come and find us, we're in one of the few micro pubs, micro breweries, one of the pubs out there, or message us and we'll tell you exactly where we're going. It's really, 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 really good. And after that, we've got a bit of a break. So I'm looking forward to that as well because I think Brentford needs a break. We need a break. There's been too much football in our lives. Because you have been to the Hamlet recently. Because you have been to the Hamlet. Yeah, that's right. This this is what I wanted to say earlier, right? So you tell me how tired you feel of going to every game this season. You, you're, you're feeling jaded now, aren't you? I've been... I've done that 100% and I must admit, I am, I'm struggling at the moment now. you've not actually played a game of football during that? No, no, I've not played a game of football. So, I've drunk a lot, though. So I'm not making excuses for it, but you, can you imagine 
what the players feel. No, I can imagine what the, what the players feel, you know, and I'm not having to go, you know, it's up and down the country. So, yes, I, I do take your point. No excuse. But no, no, it's not an excuse. Those of us who've done the 100% know that this time of year you can see the finishing line in sight. You get second wins, you get a build-up, you get really excited, but, and you think, what am I going to do with my life when this is finished? Sort of. But that's, I, I have to admit, I, I am absolutely praying for the international break. I cannot wait for this international break to come next week because I need a break. To go to Germany. <laughs> to go to Hamlet. Oh, yeah, that's a bit. I have booked flights to Germany to see England play. That's not the point. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, whether or not I go or not, that's a different story. But anyway, we won't talk about that. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's just too much for me. But anyway, the pride of, this is the Versailles Pride of West London podcast. So Jesus Christ, you can tell that we're having a right laugh here in the pub. In the centre of London, we love coming down there. They've, been, they've looked after us. They've been really great. And uh, you come down there again. We're going to come down there. We might come down there in a few weeks' time and do it again, shouldn't we? It's, well. it's, it's not many pubs this old in London. This is a proper unbombed pub. This is... This is like 17th century, 1600s. That's right. You know, them, that, that decoration hasn't changed in the 17th century. I don't think either, not is it? Not since Brexit. No. <laughs> anyway, listen. As we say, we're very, very delighted. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. I hopefully, see you up there in Burton. We're going to cheer our team on. As we say, come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.